The Bible describes a seven-year period of unparalleled horror on this earth called the Tribulation. Is this a future event that is really going to happen? Or is it just a description of trouble we will experience in this life if we live in rebellion to God's Word? And if it is real, a real future event, why would God inflict such horror upon the world? After all, isn't He a God of love, grace, and mercy? Stay tuned for an in-depth discussion of the meaning, nature, and purpose of the Tribulation. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Once again this week I have my two preaching and teaching colleagues in the studio with me, Nathan Jones, who is our internet uh, evangelist, and Tim Moore, our associate evangelist. He is a retired Air Force Colonel who serves as a pilot and pilot instructor for UPS. He has also just completed his 13th year in the Kentucky State Legislature, and in his spare time he serves this ministry by preaching and teaching at churches and conferences on the weekends. This is the fourth in a series of programs we are doing in response to questions that have our viewers have sent to us. And the first week we considered questions about the integrity of the Bible. Uh, the next week we took a look at general questions concerning Bible prophecy. The third week we focused on questions about the signs of the times. And the fourth week we discussed questions concerning the rapture of the church. If you missed any of our previous programs in this series, you can find them on the website at lambline.com where all, we archive all our TV programs for people to watch on demand. Now, our topic for this week is the Tribulation. Tim, before we uh, get to, uh, to uh, this particular topic, why don't you just define what we're talking about? What is the Tribulation? Well, the Tribulation, as the Bible describes, is a seven-year period of time when the Lord's wrath is poured out upon the earth. It has specific purpose both for the Jewish people and for the Gentiles themselves. And this is not a period where we expect the church to even be here, so it is an outpouring of wrath on those who have rejected the offer of salvation okay, through Jesus Christ. Good, concise definition. Now, what we're going to do in this program is respond to questions that people have sent in about the tribulation. And the first one that I want to mention is I often get people come up to me and say, Why do you guys in Bible prophecy spend so much time? Talking about the tribulation, such a gory, horrible thing. Why don't we talk about something positive? Well, let me give you Tim LaHaye's response to this. All right. Tim wrote, The tribulation receives more space in the Bible than any other historical period described, whether it be past or future. Compare, for example, the period known as the Millennial Kingdom. We would be hard pressed to find a dozen chapters in the Bible that describe this incredible 1,000 year period. And yet, the short seven year tribulation is mentioned 49 times in the Old Testament, given two chapters each in both Matthew and Luke, and one chapter in Mark. It's mentioned in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, and 13 chapters in the book of Revelation, among others. In fact, the only subject in the New Testament that's given more space in the tribulation is the subject of Jesus Himself. Any comments about that? Wow. I think that is a demonstration of God's love. In other words, before He pours out wrath, in His mercy He always warns. And I think that's exactly why He has warned the whole world that He intends to pour out judgment on those who have rejected His offer of salvation. 
And that's why there is so much space given in Scripture, and that's why we have to talk about it as well. Well, it certainly justifies us spending a lot of time talking about it when you have that much of the Bible devoted to it. You yes, got any sir. comments about that, Nathan? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The tribulation is is God's victory lap, if you think about it. We have thousands of years of human government failing mankind, cannot keep war, poverty, hunger, disease at bay. It's corrupt and it's vile. And yet God promised the prophet Daniel that one day a stone not cut out by human hands would destroy the statue of Gentile world government and would fill the world. And Jesus is talking about His kingdom, His kingdom of peace, righteousness, and justice will be established. But first He has to destroy the Gentile powers. And that's what the tribulation well, is. Well, let's get very, very specific here now for a moment. What are the purposes of the tribulation? Why are we going to have this period of time? Well, there's a number of different ones. Uh, Tim touched on a few. Uh, first, I go back to what I was saying. It is for the Lord to come and defeat the Gentile world rulers, human government, and set up His kingdom. But to do that, you have to go through this seven years, as He's told the prophet Daniel, to get to the end. So, it's about Jesus coming to set up His kingdom. It's also for destroying the Gentile world powers. It has other reasons too, for instance, like salvation. What's wonderful about the tribulation, and Tim, I love what you said there, is that that it's about the Lord putting the pressure cooker on the people to get them down on their knees and finally make a decision for God or not. Matter of fact, we know by the end of the tribulation that everybody will have been given the gospel, people will be without excuse, and they will know to choose Jesus or not. Okay. That is a blessing from okay, God. Okay, now you've put a lot of emphasis on God pouring out His wrath upon rebellious Gentile nations, trying to bring people. Uh, the fundamental purpose really is not to pour out His wrath uh, just to punish, but to pour out His wrath to bring people to the end of themselves that they might be saved. We know that most will not. They'll double up their fists and curse God. Unfortunately, But you yes. haven't mentioned what most people consider to be the most important purpose of the tribulation. Well, what about the Jewish people? Tim. Well, the Jewish people, obviously, much of the Old Testament focuses on God's bringing the Jewish people to a time of great distress. Again, because they have rejected His Son, but with a goal of actually leading them to salvation. And so, we are promised, Scripture tells us, that a number of Jewish people will accept Jesus Christ. They will be ready to look upon Him whom they have pierced, and join with other Gentile believers in rejoicing when He returns to earth. In fact, this is the seventh week, or, or the final week of, of the uh, prophecy given to Daniel. And in that prophecy, God said, I'm going to accomplish these six things among the Jewish people. And most people agree that He's only accomplished one of those, and that's the atonement for their iniquity. But the other five are yet to be achieved, yes. and they're going to be achieved in this final seven-year period of time. And that's why the prophets, both uh, minor and major, called it the, the time of Jacob's trouble, uh, Jeremiah 30, verse Daniel 7. Daniel called it time the of day great of the distress Lord, for the, the day people. of God's wrath. It will be the worst time in Jewish people. The whole world will be gathered against the Jewish people. And we live in a time period where the Jewish people are now gathered back in their land it's and control there. Jerusalem. So, Jesus going to be said, one of, uh, Jesus it, said that it would be a time of unprecedented tribulation. Yeah, unbelievable. Like well, that's true. Ever seen. I mean, the first, uh, the only thing we have to compare with this is the Noah flood. But think about the fact that that was over very quickly. Yes. People drowned, and that was it. But this is going to be agony seven and horror for seven years, consecutive years. And that brings me to the next question: Why would a God of grace, love, and mercy? pour out such tribulation on the earth. People well, don't understand that. I think in my position to this point as a lawmaker, oftentimes folks will call and say, there ought to be a law, because there's a deep yearning in the heart of man for justice to be served. Because they see, folks see that unrighteousness abounds, 
and they think there should be a <laughs> rightful punishment or justice for wrongdoing. Well, you know what? God is a God of justice, a God of righteousness, a God of holiness. And so there will be punishment for sin for people who have rejected, again, His offer of salvation, even at the same time that He's offering mercy. I find it very interesting that people want to make up a God of their own choosing. Here recently there's been a movie being produced about the life of Jesus uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix. And he has rejected some of the miracles that Jesus performed using very crude language. He says, well, I can't believe any of that kind of stuff. And he plays Jesus. And he plays Jesus. Ah, And so, he is creating a Jesus of his own imaginary making. Like the cults do. Like the cults do. And a lot of people want to reject the holiness, the righteousness, the justice of God, and just embrace the mercy and love of God. Well, God is beyond human comprehension, but all of those attributes make up who He is. And so, inherent with His mercy and love is His justice. And so, that is why He poured out His wrath for those who have accepted His Son on Jesus Christ. And that's why our great urgency is to tell people that if they do not accept Jesus Christ, then this period of unprecedented tribulation and an outpouring of wrath will abide on them. Nathan? Well, you got to look at John. He goes up to heaven and he sees the martyrs who have died because of the Antichrist beheading them and slaughter them. And he says they number like the sands. They're uncountable from every tribe, language, tongue, and people. How did they come to know Jesus Christ as Savior? Because the world got really, really hard. Things got really, really bad. And they were finally forced out of their complacency to make a decision for the Lord or not. So, we will see out of the tribulation probably the greatest spiritual harvest, maybe even greater than the last 2,000 years of church history. The Lord is going to bring a great remnant, not of Jews, certainly of the Jews, a third of the Jews, but of Gentiles as well who will come to know Him as Savior. And that's the result of the tribulation. Sometimes life has to get really bad before you get serious about God. And sometimes even now people are under periods of great tribulation in their own lives. Not to be confused with the seven year period Scripture talks about. But many believers would testify that they came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ only because they came to the end of themselves. The Lord allowed them to go through a period of great trial causing them to turn to Jesus as their only hope of salvation. And their testimony bears witness to that. Well, I I find most people think of God as the cosmic uh, teddy bear. He's going to be warm and soft and furry and He's just going to say, well, you know, I didn't know, you you never accepted my son. And you lived a pretty good life compared to the guy next door to you. But God doesn't judge on the curve. He judges on the basis of the blood of Jesus Christ and whether or not you have accepted Lord as your Savior. And He is a God, yes, of love, grace, and mercy, but He's also a God of wrath. Isaiah 26 and verse 9 says, when the it says that uh, when your judgments, when people experience your judgments, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. Mm. And many people are going to come to the end of themselves and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior during this period of tribulation. What a God what a that God. He mm-hmm. is so gracious to do that. Praise the Lord. Okay, we're going to come back in just a moment with more questions about the tribulation. Where will the Antichrist come from? Will he be a Jew or a Gentile? Dr. David Reagan's book, The Man of Lawlessness, The Antichrist in the Tribulation, answers these and other questions, such as, could he be a Muslim? Is he alive today? Will he be killed and resurrected? Where will his headquarters be located? Will he actually control the whole world? Will he be possessed by Satan? And will Christians have to face him? Dr. Reagan discusses these compelling topics and even enlists 22 Bible prophecy experts to give their unique perspectives on them. You will not want to miss this opportunity to survey the career of the Antichrist during the coming tribulation. 
to get your copy of The Man of Lawlessness, The Antichrist in the Tribulation, call the number you see on the screen Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, and ask for it by name or go to our website at lamblion.com. It's available for a gift of $20 or more, and that includes the cost of shipping. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our responses to questions about the Tribulation. Okay, Dave, so what's our next question? Okay, the next question, what are some of the key events of the Tribulation? Well, I think the first and most important key event is the beginning of the Tribulation. And that will occur when the Antichrist signs a peace treaty, a covenant with Israel, allowing them to rebuild their temple. So, you're saying the Rapture is not the beginning of the Tribulation? No, the Rapture, I believe, and we strongly believe, happens before the Tribulation. And that will precede the but time... It doesn't start the Tribulation. No, sir. The Tribulation starts upon the signing of that peace treaty, which is why we know that seven-year clock begins. Mm -hmm. And of course, halfway through the Tribulation, the Antichrist will renege on his commitment to the Jewish people. He will come to the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem and desecrate it by declaring himself to be a god. And of course, the Jews will not like that, and so they will rebel. Good. But before that, there's two major events in the Tribulation of judgments. Oh, yes. Judgments will fall. Seal on, and yes, sir. Tr seal and trumpet judgments. I'm kind of giving just the overview, yeah. but the seal and trumpet judgments, outpouring of God's wrath upon the entire world, uh, leading up to that halfway mark when the Antichrist turns his attention back on the Jewish people, okay. when they refuse to accept him, declaring himself to now be God. Now, what events happen after that? Well, after that, of course, we get the, uh, the bold judgments that are poured out, and the Antichrist will then turn all of his wrath toward the Jewish people themselves. Yes, actually he does it before that because well, uh, as soon as they reject him, he goes after them oh, and they yes. flee Israel. They flee Israel and they are protected, as yeah. uh, the Scripture says, by the wings of an eagle. And then of course the final moment of the tribulation, the, really the end of it, is when Jesus Christ returns. I'm giving just some key points right. and obviously we could get into great well, detail. One that should be mentioned is right before the pouring out of the bold judgments, God sends forth an angel who goes and circumnavigates the globe and proclaims the Gospel to every person on planet Earth. So, exactly they have right. no excuse None. to say that they never heard it. Well, and that's why we know that in the Tribulation there will be many who accept that offer of salvation, who hear that Gospel message, have come to the end of themselves, and finally turn in faith to okay. Jesus Christ. Okay, good, good overview. Now, uh, Nathan, I want to ask you a question. Uh, okay. Uh, the one of the things that people often ask is, who are these mysterious 24 elders who are mentioned in Revelation chapter 4? John's taken up to heaven and he sees 24 elders who are bowing before the throne and casting their crowns before. The, who, who are these people? Well, there's a few theories about who these 24 elders are. They're in little thrones around God's big throne. They take off their, their crowns and they lay them at the feet as an eternal act of worship of God. And some believe, well, maybe they're the 12 apostles and maybe they're the 12 of the, the patriarchal tribal leaders of Israel. Although John saw 24 elders, if he would have been one of the elders, so why wasn't his chair empty? Uh, there's other theories, but my own theory, I believe, is that there's a number of verses where Jesus says that we will rule and reign with Him and sit on His throne of authority. So, it very well could be, because to use the term elders, 
that these thrones are for the church on a rotational basis, which means the 24 elders could possibly be you and me at some point where Amen. we will sit on that I throne. Hope so. <laughs> I hope so too. I think that's a, a very good uh, uh, decision that you made there as to what that means. Because we don't know for sure, no. No. but uh, we have to just guess in, in based upon the information that we're given. But and I, it fits what Jesus says that we will sit on His throne. He's not talking about the actual throne of God per se, but the throne complex. Okay. Now in Revelation yeah. chapter 7, 144,000 are mentioned who are going to be especially anointed by God. And um, this has always been a point of controversy that Jehovah's Witnesses claim that they're the 144,000. Yeah, even uh, but, there's more. Uh, the thing that's interesting to me is that one time I went to a seminary, the TC, Texas Christian University Seminary, and I looked through all the uh, commentaries, this was back in the 80s, all the commentaries in that seminary about this particular verse, these the series of verses. And 85% of them said this is talking about the church, that the church is going to be given a special anointing during the tribulation to reach the world with the gospel. What is your reaction to that? I don't know how you could possibly spiritualize away this particular passage because it very clearly says the tribe of Judah, the 12,000 were sealed, from the tribe of Reuben, from the tribe of Gad, and on down the list, Jewish tribes, not Gentile peoples or people groups or nations, Jewish tribes. And why in the world you would take that passage and say, well, that's not what God really well, you meant. you know why. Well, I do know why, but it's called replacement theology. Replacement God theology has no purpose for the Jews, therefore He can't be talking about the Jews, so this must be a spiritual symbol of the church. All of the passages in the Old Testament that point to the tribulation talk about its purpose toward the Jewish people. That's right. And that's why God is not done with the Jewish I people. I wonder sometimes what God would have to do to convince us He's talking about 144,000 Jews. Well, yeah. I mean, He says they're Jews. Yes, sir, <laughs> He does. No, these are Jews that are then anointed to be great evangelists. As yes. a matter of fact, they are set apart for that special purpose, and they are dedicated in preaching the good news. Let's just talk Jesus. about that for a moment. Um, there's going to be, a, in that same chapter, chapter 7, he's shown a group of people in white robes standing before the throne of God, and there's so many that they cannot be counted. And he asks who they are, and he says, these are the ones who are coming out of the tribulation, the martyrs. come." Yes. That means a lot of people are accepting Jesus during the tribulation. How can they accept Jesus during the tribulation with the church gone? Ah. How do they hear the Gospel? Well, you hear that a lot. Oh, you need the church to be there during the tribulation for the Gospel to spread. Well, the church wasn't there in the Old Testament, and God's Word still got out through the Jewish people. He is going to use the Jewish people. He's going to use the 144,000. They're like super Pauls. They're going out in the world. They're protected. <laughs> they're sealed. They can't be killed, and they will spread the and Gospel. The, as Zola Levitt once said, the Jewish people are God's super salesmen. He's absolutely right. <laughs> there you go. You mentioned the Gospel angel, an actual angel that goes around. People have seen the rapture, and they'll know that God's, they'll see the results of the Gospel. And Magog war that says the world will know there is a God. And I'd like to bring up the, that's the, the next one is the two witnesses for the first three and a half years. God is going to put two Jewish evangelists in Jerusalem, and they're like Old Testament prophets. They can do miracles and signs, and they condemn the world, and they try to lead the world to, to God. The God lets them be destroyed by the Antichrist. Their bodies are gazed on for three and a half days, and then He, he raptures them up. He resurrects them, brings them to heaven. So, no matter what, that time period has no doubt that they know there's a God, they know there's Jesus Christ, and they know to choose well, Him or not. Well, there's something else that you haven't mentioned, and that is there's still going to be millions of Bibles. Exactly right. And, and I've not all burned over and over. 
go to the front of your Bible and write the plan of salvation in there because Just people like are not going to have a chance to study the Bible in great detail. I hope somebody finds your Bible, Dave Reagan, because they will know everything <laughs> about the plan of salvation and notes throughout. And I hope they're watching us right well, now. Yeah. If, if the raptures happen, folks, and, and you're watching this, then you know what we're speaking is well, that true. that brings me to another point that you didn't mention. I'm surprised. And that is all of the things that are on the Internet, the things that ministries all over oh, the world. Yeah. Surely that's going to be access to that for some time before the Antichrist can block them all out. Yeah, it'll be purged. Books, DVDs, all the materials that we provide and produce and other ministries will be out there. Folks will be exposed to the gospel. I know you've had a real heart for doing that. I think our ministry's biggest impact will not be before the rapture, but be after the rapture. All the materials that Dr. Reagan you produced and the ministries produced will be there for a period of time. We've tried to put them all over the place, not in our eggs in one basket, so that people, when as soon as the rapture happens, they're going to have questions. We even created a left behind video so people can know what will happen during now, the tribulation. You mentioned the two witnesses that are going to be in Jerusalem for three and a half years. Yes. Who are they? Well, there's all sorts of theories. There's Moses and Elijah. I know you particularly adhere to Enoch, Elijah. Others say they're just two Jewish guys who get saved after the rapture. Uh, I can honestly say I don't know. And I yeah, no, won't know knows. until they're brought up to Heaven and we're like, oh, that's who they are. Yeah, uh, so. uh, Some say they're going to be Elijah and Moses based on the miracles that are performed. Right. And, they didn't, and others Elijah uh, didn't uh, die. said no, Enoch that it's going die. to be the two guys who were taken to Heaven uh, without, you know, without dying. And that mm-hmm. would be Elijah. Uh, uh, Enoch and Elijah. That would be interesting because Enoch was a Gentile and Elijah was a Jew, so you would have a Gentile and Jewish voice proclaiming this message. But we don't know for sure, but we know they're going to be supernaturally protected by the Lord until the Antichrist comes to Jerusalem. We do know in Malachi that it's indicated that Elijah will yes. come back, and so I that's why many people. Be Elijah, I think so too. Okay. Uh, are the judgments chronological, or are they, like many people teach, just different descriptions of the same judgments? Well, I think if you try to make them be the same judgments and overlay the the bowl, the trumpet, uh, all the various judgments, it it really doesn't fit. And so I personally believe that they are chronological essentially with some parathetical inserts within the book of Revelation as John is given views of the past and forecast of the future even during that time period. And so it is a very busy era of outpouring of judgment. But I think they are basically chronological. Well, so many people teach they are just overlaying. But uh, to me they have to be in chronological order. For one thing the first group affects one-fourth the earth. The next group affects one-third the earth. Well that is not the same thing. No it is not. Plus the Bible gives time indicators yes. during the tribulation. For example Revelation 15.1, Then I saw another sign in Heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. So, if the seven bowls were just echoes of the seven trumpets or seven seals, that wouldn't jive with the time indicators that John gives us throughout the book of Revelation. Based on the questions we receive, I have come to the conclusion that most people don't focus on the overall picture. They they tend to obsess on on one thing. Mark of the Beast. Who is this? Who is that? What is that? What is 666? I just got my license plate and it has 666. (laughs) Am I going to hell? I just just got a Social Security card. It's got 666 on it. What about 666? Oh boy. Well, I think 666 has to be some kind of important symbolic number. We know that man was created on the sixth day, for example. And so, when the Bible talks about God being holy, 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 well, the Antichrist, always three times in that superlative. I think the Antichrist will be man, man, man. And I believe that's what that's all about. I think that's what it is. And we're going to have an unholy trinity on this. Yeah, we are going to have an unholy trinity. But he is going to 
going to be the Superman, sort of what some of the Nietzsche's mm-hmm. of this world have talked about, and yet so elevated that he essentially proclaims himself to be a god. And we have people already heading in that direction. I think it's interesting with their too attitude. that the Old Testament says that in the year that King Solomon received 666 talents of gold, that he turned his heart away from God and began to focus on women and horses and money. Apostate. And so it became a symbol in Jewish history of apostasy. Yes, it did. It's apostasy. Okay, well, let's go to another question, and that is, what is the meaning of the symbols in chapter 12? Mm. (laughs) Let's start off with the woman Mm. in chapter 12. The the Catholic Church says that the woman in chapter 12 is Mary. And and we recently had people talking about, no, it has to do with stars in the sky and all that sort of thing. Nathan, jump on it. Okay. Uh, And don't send me hate emails if you don't uh, believe what we're going to tell you, but this is what the Bible says. Now, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in laboring in pain to give birth. Well, you only have to go back to the story of Joseph, where Joseph was given a dream of his father and mother and brothers and uh, brothers bowing down and worshiped him. And it use that imagery, the sun, the moon, and the stars. So, we know that the woman is Israel. I mean, the, the Bible always explains its symbols, or you, you have to hunt sometimes, but there. So, we know the woman. Now, what did the woman give birth to? Well, some will say the, the child is the church. But we read here, she, no. she cried out in labor and gave birth, and another sign appeared, and behold, a great fire, red dragon in heaven, and it goes on, and his tail drew a third of the stars, and he was going to devour the child who soon was born, the male child who was to rule all nations with the rod of iron. That can't be the the church. church. (laughs) That has to be Jesus Christ. The Jewish people gave birth to the Messiah. The Messiah is in heaven protected. And Satan, the red dragon, has always been trying to kill him. Well, your point there is very good because the Bible is the best interpreter of itself. We only have about a minute and 20 seconds left in this segment and we've got to get to the final question. And that question is, could the Antichrist be a Muslim or a Jew? I think that there are a lot of people that want to speculate on his exact background. Uh, I would reject the idea that he could be a Muslim because I don't think the Jewish people would trust a Muslim, a Muslim person to come in and make a treaty to allow them to rebuild what their Muslim temple. What Muslim would ever declare himself God? And what Muslim? And if he did, the Muslims would kill him. They would kill him. Exactly <laughs> right. And as far as being a Jew, I don't see that either because the Bible specifically says that the Antichrist will come out of the sea, which is a symbolic reference to the Gentile nations. Now, as he comes and stands on the seashore, there will be another person rise up out of the land, and that will be the false prophet, who quite probably will be Jewish of background, obviously not an observant or a faithful Jewish person, but the Antichrist himself will not be a Muslim person and will not be a Jew. That's my understanding of what the Bible clearly says. I don't see Islam playing a role in the tribulation because the result of the Gog and Magog war is the destruction of the Islamic nations from in the Middle East and all. So, Santa Antichrist cannot have a competing religion. Therefore, Islam will likely be destroyed at the onset of the tribulation. Okay, great answers. And we'll be back in just a moment for further discussion. Welcome back to Christ and Prophecy in our discussion of the Tribulation. Tim, you gave me some great hope because you said that if the, you are a Christian that you will be raptured before the wrath of God falls on the earth yes. in the Tribulation. Tell us how someone can know Jesus Christ as their Savior and become part of the rapture. Well, that's probably the most important question we've had today, Nathan. So, let me just say, the Church is simply the worldwide body of people who have put their trust in Jesus Christ. 
The church indeed will be taken out of this world before God's wrath is poured out. And today we've just touched the surface of the horrors that await all who reject God's offer of salvation. The good news of the Gospel is that God so loved you that He gave His only Son, Jesus. John 3.16 tells us that glorious good news and promises that if we believe in Him we will not perish but will have eternal life. At the end of the same chapter, however, John warns that those who do not obey God and believe in His Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God abides on them. God's own Holy Spirit will illuminate your heart and germinate seeds of faith if you will let Him. So right now, repent of your sins and believe in Jesus as God's Son, sent to die on your behalf. Accept that by His own power He arose from the dead. Trust Him to save you from the wrath to come. And finally, know that He is able to keep you now and forevermore. Thank you, Tim. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope the Lord willing, you'll be back with us again next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 